Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith here with Gerald Bourget and Espo. Gentlemen, how are you doing on this Wednesday afternoon? Better now that Shane took himself <laughs> off the screen. I was going to say we have a fourth co-host today replacing the fired Saul Bookman who got fired twice. <laughs> and still fired until further notice. As you can see, we're in, uh, for the audio listeners, we're in the palatial new st- studios. They're fantastic. For those of you watching on video, just imagine. <laughs> <laughs> You guys look like you're sitting across the table from each other in the same office that has Gerald, zero decoration in it. Gerald's right to my left. Hi, Gerald. <laughs> He's not. He's in another room. But it does look like we're uh, we're sitting with each other. All right. Well, let's get on into it. We have something from Twitter to talk about. We've got lots of things from Twitter to talk about. Surprise, surprise, everybody. But this one I thought was really interesting. So. Willie G. Ramirez, he's an AP sports writer and talent for ESPN Las Vegas, tweeted last night, quote, multiple sources have told me the NBA wants to finally announce expansion to Las Vegas and Seattle during the Clippers' two preseason games at Seattle's Climate Pledge Arena on September 30th and October 3rd. The Lakers then play two preseason games in Vegas on October 5th and 6th. Now, the interesting part of this is that the tweet was deleted today. Mm-hmm. So that could mean one of two things. Either it was wrong information or maybe he was contacted by some big time people at the league and asked to delete it. What do you guys think? Yeah, uh, my my belief is he got it right. And somebody said, let's take that down. We're not <laughs> ready for that for public consumption on that. It seems too convenient that uh, the... Uh, both of those cities are getting preseason games this year for it not to be correct. They're the two logical places to expand to. You know they want expansion to recoup the money that they lost in 2020 during the during the pandemic. The fastest way to do that is you know expansion fees, which will be, I'd guess, probably upwards of a billion dollars for each team uh, to get into the league. So all signs point to this making sense. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement, especially after watching uh, the Tim Donahue untold uh, documentary the other day. There are a lot of things that the league is pretty good about uh, making sure that their image comes out on top and that they handle things the way that they want to handle things. Um, a lot of these things took place under David Stern as far as that type of thing. But David Stern would be proud of Adam Silver in this regard because I, I do think this was something that the cat was let out of the bag a little too early for the NBA's liking. They want to have all that press and be the ones announcing it. So it wouldn't surprise me. Those are two very logical places for expansion. Obviously, Seattle getting the Supersonics back would be incredible. And then Vegas, they just make a lot of sense. Um, and it would be interesting to see how that affects conference realignment, which teams would go to the East and whatnot. But um, that is exciting if that is truly the case and it wasn't just something that he got entirely wrong and deleted after the fact. New Orleans would have to go to the East, right? It seems like the logical one, right? Or Memphis. or potential Minnesota. 
Like, Minnesota, Memphis, uh, New Orleans would probably be the candidates, I would assume. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see who the owners are, if this is a correct report, because we heard Phil Knight wanted to get in. He had made an offer for Portland. Does he get the Seattle franchise, or is he still on the hunt for somebody else, uh, for some other team? Who's the owner in Vegas? I mean, that's that's going to be a big deal who owns that Vegas team. So uh, I look well, forward to it. The NBA is a hell of a marketing machine, and this mm-hmm. points to the way that they'd market coming to each of those cities. Yeah, because, of course, there's been rumors and talks already about how LeBron wants to get in on the ownership side of things, and he's got his eyes set on that Las Vegas market. But then I've heard also that the Raiders owner, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but – he really wants to get in on NBA action in Vegas as well. So do you think there'll be like a bidding war or maybe they'll partner up? Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm sure there'll be some kind of bidding war. Mark Davis owns the aces. So uh, it would make sense. He's already partnered with, uh, with the league. They're familiar. He obviously has the money as well there, which arena they're going to play in in Vegas is interesting too because there's multiple facilities. The T-Mobile Arena where uh, where the Golden Knights play their NHL games. Uh, there's a, a venue uh, that uh, I think it's the Madison Square Garden uh, company is building there as well. That could be an option. Uh, there's multiple facilities, so that's another thing. But I, Mark Davis is probably in in the catbird seat when it comes to it. I wonder if if Rich Paul could put together a group too, or if that's some kind of conflict of interest, if that's really where LeBron eventually wants to wind up in ownership. So, you know, I know it's on the fringes of basketball, but that stuff is fascinating to me as well and how that all play out in this. What's more fascinating to me, what would the team in Vegas be called? Ooh, that's a good question. I should have known you were going to ask that. (laughs) The Sharks. The sharks. Card sharks. I mean, honestly, loan shark. (laughs) It would be really funny if they did something completely out of left field that was not Vegas related whatsoever. Not Vegas related. I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah, they're not going to because it's just one of those things that you kind of have to. Like Brian in the chat said, (laughs) high rollers. Like it's going to be Vegas related, but it would be funny if it was completely unrelated. If they just like chose puffins, like the Alaskan state bird, the Vegas gigolos, like yeah. there's all sorts of ways this could go horribly, horribly wrong. Okay. Right? The Vegas villains that came in the chat. That's a, That's good, a good one. one. I like yeah. that. That's, That's pretty kind cool. of fun. I, I'm not a huge fan of the gamblers. Sorry, Frank. No, I don't think I they'll think go that spot on. on. Right. I just, I don't think that's, that's where they'll go. Yeah. I do like Vegas villains though. I, yeah, I think they'll have to embrace the fact that they're playing in a market where it was taboo at one point to even think about it. And the one venture the NBA had there was a disaster of an all-star game at one point. Like, I think you could have some uh, have some fun with that for sure and, and play that up. So Okay, so if Vegas gets an expansion team, does Summer League move somewhere else? No, I think they'll keep it there. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's it's a great place. It, now you have even more of an, an NBA tie. They play summer leagues in Utah and in Sacramento, so it's not as if it's a, a some kind of conflict to have a summer league in an NBA city. And you probably have another building that you can can leverage for some of the bigger games if you wanted to as well, some kind of the sh- uh, showcase games too. Yeah. It's just so hot. I would like them to move summer league somewhere that's more enjoyable to go in the summer. Let's let's be frank. I mean, we live here, so I, at the, that point, I don't care anymore. I'm right, like, but if you're traveling for work in the middle of the summer, you'd prefer to go somewhere that's not the exact same climate, right? Yeah, but you've got to find a place that has the hotel rooms that can can deal with it, the entertainment for your fans to come. Like Vegas just has it all built in where it just makes sense to have this mini basketball convention in the middle of the summer. That's very fair. Okay, so Espa, when we were talking about this tweet last night, one of the things that you had mentioned was, I wonder if this can create a new rivalry with the Suns, obviously because of proximity. So I kind of want to talk about rivalries with the expansion and just kind of in general, because it got me wondering, like, 
low-key are rivalries even really a thing anymore in the NBA? I think they are. Uh, just, I mean, think about how fed up people still get with Laker, the Lakers here in Phoenix or even the Spurs, despite the fact that they're not the vaunted Spurs of the past. If you grew up in that era of Suns basketball, you still don't like that team. Uh, you know, Lakers and Clippers. I mean, Clippers have the the little brother syndrome, so they're always going to you know be pastured by the Lakers. I think rivalries add a little something. It adds a little color uh, to sports in general. So I think they matter still. And I really feel like Vegas could become such a natural rival for Phoenix. The LA thing has always felt forced. Like it's a one-sided thing, but with, uh, you know, with Vegas, I think it could become a true rivalry between two cities that, that have a lot in common in terms of the type of people that live here, the, the temperature, you know, obviously we have old town, they have the strip, uh, like, the strip wins out in that obviously, but still, I mean, there's a, there's a similar mentality. I think it could be, it could be good for basketball if you had a natural rivalry between Phoenix and and Las Vegas. It's, it's interesting to me, but I feel like if we're approaching it as they're an expansion team, I think it would probably take a while for that rivalry to be a rivalry. Like I honestly, if you just look at any of the teams, the Suns have met in the playoffs the last few seasons, like, there's a certain animosity between the two fan bases, whether it's on Twitter in real life, like with the nuggets, we always make our Jamal Murray jokes with the Pelicans. Now, like we have identified the Pelicans as a team that's going to be on the rise next season, especially with a healthy Zion. They're a team that it got kind of feisty between those two, the Mavs, like that was a rivalry that was from the Dirk and Steve Nash days, but it's kind of been renewed with this last playoff series. And especially when you throw in the DA versus Luca conversation that we keep coming back to. So for me, I'm okay. If that doesn't become a rivalry, because it means we're setting our focus on the Lakers and the warriors and these prestigious teams, these good title contender teams that like you should be more worried about rather than a new team that's their best player is going to be like the sixth or seventh best player on a roster. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's the other way around. Finally, we have a team that hates (laughs) us the way that we look at LA or something like that. Mm. I mean, I get it, but they're not going to be good for a while is in all likelihood, which is usually you stack the deck with expansion teams. They have to earn their place in a league. So it'll be a while, but maybe they're the team that looks at Phoenix and goes, We'll see. They prove that in a market like this, we could be good and and we hate them because they're already there. Okay. I'm kind of like on the fence with you guys because I do think you could make the argument that rivalries are still a thing. But like, what, how would you define rivalries these days? Because I feel like back in the day, it was more of the actual teams that were rivals and not the fan bases. And now I feel like it's fan bases that are rivals. Like, You had players who stuck around with teams for a good majority of their career. Now you've got players bouncing around from team to team. Like, obviously, Steph with the Warriors is somebody you could point to that's been there for a long time. How many times do they need to play each other? Like, does it, do you have to see each other in the playoffs multiple years in a row? Like, what, what do you define a rivalry as these days in the NBA? I think there's multiple things. I mean, it is playoff rivals. Like, the, the Denver thing, I mean, they hate Phoenix. I mean, right. we know we've got we've got our friends up at DNVR that remind us of that on a regular basis with it, and we're annoying as hell to them. I mean, if only they had Jamal Murray, uh, you know. So, like, I think there's there's rivalries based on playoff matchups and and how that how that goes down, right? And and that's part of it. There's fan bases that dislike each other, which is another part of of rivalry, and then there's player beef too right like anywhere that that patrick beverly goes is going to be a rival with the suns because of what he did to chris paul as a member of the clippers so now there's a whole nother level as to why you would dislike the lakers and even the players will dislike the lakers just like jay crowder was despised by a lot of lakers players there's that level so i think there's multiple levels 
to rivalry. Maybe not everything's like Celtics Lakers back in the day because it was the same players over and over mm-hmm. playing in that. But I think there's still very much rivalries and it's very important to sports because what do you care if you don't have somebody that you, you dislike on the other side? It, it, it's less fun when you, when you don't dislike that team you're, you're facing on the other side of things. Right. I, I do think there's an element as far as the fan base kind of fans, the flames, excuse the pun, but like, it's a matter of what happens first. Like with the Denver thing, a lot of it was exacerbated by the Suns and four chance and how much shit we talked to them about the Jamal Murray stuff. But like at its root, they swept their ass out of the playoffs. Like, yeah. and Nikola Jokic, like basically punch campaign in the face. So those things are kind of the root of it all. Same thing with the Lakers. Like that's rooted in tradition. And yes, maybe it's been more one-sided in terms of championships, but those teams have had multiple playoff battles back to the Kobe and Steve Nash days and this that series between them kind of renewed that rivalry because of you know what Devin Booker did to them in game 6 Jay Crowder salsa dancing on them um you know what Book and AD said off the court the next year about that series about what would have happened if Anthony Davis was healthy like all that stuff kind of traces back to the players i think the fans make it even more intense but like with a lot of these teams like the Spurs they'll kind of always be a rival because of those playoff clashes from the past the Mavs now that's another one that has past and present um and you know like the whole thing about the Luca special with book the the meme that every Mavs fan keeps posting of Luca looking at book like there's a from, pettiness from that a Mavs loss from, by the way right but there's a pettiness <laughs> that stems from the shit talking and what happens on the court as well so I, I, I don't think it's just the fan base that makes a rivalry for sure. See, so like when it comes to the Mavs, I could totally see that being a rivalry because you have the player beef kind of going back and forth. Like the meme you're talking about, Luca looking at Book, mm. then Book when he like winked at the camera <laughs> or whatever after that hard foul. Yeah, like <laughs> I think that makes it more of a rivalry in my book because you have very obvious player like, pettiness, tension, beef, whatever you want to call it, playful banter, whatever. Um, I think that one makes it more legitimate. I just don't know if I buy into the Lakers rivalry as much as far as a team-to-team thing. Like, I know you talked about, like, the whole Jay Crowder salsa dance and then, of course, AD coming out last year being like, well, if I was up, blah, 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 things would have been different. Um, But I feel like that one's more fan-fueled. So could you have two separate types of rivalries almost? Oh, I think you can, but I think, I mean, you're right. It's not a rivalry because the Lakers are trash. So, <laughs> right. But it, we were trash for a long time, too. So, Lindsay, if, you, if you're not good at the same time, can it be a rivalry? I don't know. I'm just I asking mean, the questions. Here. I think rivalries like ebb and flow, right? Like it's everything in the NBA is so cyclical because you're on the top for a couple of years and then you're rebuilding and then you're trying to make your way back up to the top. So I do think both teams have to be reasonably competitive at the same time for it to be considered a true rivalry. But there are certain teams like the Spurs and the Lakers. The Suns kicked their ass all season last year. And I know every single Suns fan enjoyed the hell out of it, even if they weren't at their, you know, former glory days. So it, it just kind of depends. But like that's that's why I do think there are rivalries. I just think it kind of ebbs and flows. Like the Pelicans are another one that like before the playoffs we would have never thought of the Pelicans as a team that like, damn, we're sick of you. Like we hate you right now. Like we don't want anything to do with you. And then you've got a whole arena chanting FJ Crowder. So things change pretty quickly in that regard. There may be a whole arena in Phoenix chanting that this year too. We don't know. (laughs) Don't go there. Based on what Jay's been doing lately. Uh, Look, when you, when you look at, Remember last year, the Suns set the record, franchise record for wins at 64 in the same game they beat the Lakers and knocked them completely out of playoff contention. I don't care if the Lakers are bad. Mm -hmm. It's still fun as a Suns fan. Now, that very much could be a one-way rivalry, but that's never going to change that it's just damn fun to kick the Lakers' ass, especially when there's something on the line. But even when there's not, it's fun. Like, uh, uh, you know, and and – God rest Kobe's soul, but I, I will never forget. I left the Suns, and a week later, it was Kobe, Kobe's final game in Phoenix. And when I left, I said, hey, 
the one thing I want is I want tickets in the lower bowls of this game, right? So I got them, and I spent the entire game booing Kobe every time he touched the ball, <laughs> simply because I hated the Lakers. I hated Kobe from those from those playoff battles, and it was fun. Like the Suns were total trash, right? But it was fun sitting there and and being a fan, you know, especially after coming off of five years of working for the team and not being able to do that. It was like cathartic, but it was fun regardless of if the Suns or Lakers were good at the time. So I think some things uh, never change. And I think Suns Lakers is one of those that at least for Suns fans, they'll always, uh, they'll always find hatred in their heart for the purple and gold. And I, and I do think with Devin Booker and some of even these other Suns guys that have been around for a couple of years now, Mikhail Bridges, DA, like Booker especially, he's well aware of this franchise's history. It, it, he may not have been around for it or part of it, but I think as someone who has repeatedly said he wants to win in Phoenix, when you take on that role, you kind of absorb a lot of those older uh, sentiments, those older feelings of those rivalries. So I, I think for him, and I know because they played them in the playoffs the year before, it was it was it meant a lot to them that they were able to get that 64th win against that team to knock them out. And not just because Anthony Davis was talking out of his mouth before the game. Like they enjoyed that very much. I think there's another factor we didn't talk about too, is your youth. When you grew up rooting for a team, when you fell in love with it and who you were playing in the playoffs or who was keeping you out of success at a certain time. I think that plays into it too, for certain generations of fans where one team may feel like more of a rival than somebody from another generation in your same fan base as well. So I think that plays a big part in it too. Sorry. Well, <laughs> almost choked there. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay's getting all excited My about bad. Vegas as a, yeah. as a new city in the NBA. I think you could make the argument too, that if Devin, like if Devin stays with the Suns for as long as we all hope and pray and anticipate he's going to stay with the Suns, I think you could make the argument too that anybody who's ever had beef or wronged book in our eyes are automatically going to be a rival to <laughs> us because like he's our guy. He's been with us for so long. I think that longevity with a franchise makes it even bigger for fan bases when they look at rivalries around the league. Yeah, certainly. Okay, real quick. We do want to formally invite you guys to join us this Saturday starting at 3.30 p.m. for our ASU watch party as the Sun Devils take on Oklahoma State. Uh, we're going to be hanging out at Four Peaks Brewery in Tempe at their 8th Street Pub. We're going to enjoy some food and drink specials. It's going to be a hell of a great time, and the game is going to be on a massive screen. You don't want to miss this. So check the link in our show notes for details and to sign up for free. We also dropped it in the chat for you guys. You must be 21 years or older to enjoy Four Peaks beer, and we ask that you enjoy responsibly. But the brewery is open for everyone of all ages. The whole family can come on down. So plan to come hang out with us this Saturday again starting at 3.30 p.m. at Four Peaks Brewery. Yeah, it's great. When the devils start losing, you got beer right there to, to no, help no. you out. Get out of here. Sun Devils, baby. Oh, oh Shane took Shane him off. Shane kicked him out of the show. <laughs> boy, Shane. I'll take the afternoon off. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It's time for some screenshots presented by Arizona Department of Health Services. COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov slash findvaccine for a location near you. First up, Suns Geek on Twitter asked what Jacques Landale's rating on 2K should be. And Jacques, being the funny guy he is, quote tweeted it saying, probably a five. <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> well, I, I'm guessing it'll be higher, but I tweeted Jacques back and said, you're a hundred in, in our hearts and in humor, and he liked it. So, so uh, Landell's Landing will be opening soon. You'll be able to buy property there. Uh, Jacques is our guy this season. He is is the new Dragon Bender or Frank Kaminsky. He's the man that uh, we will be fully supporting. And I'm betting there's at least a zero on the end of that five in his rating. We haven't seen it officially yet, but I think he's at least a fifty. Yeah, I would I would say so. I'm curious what he was last year. I actually didn't look this up, but Lindsay, let me if you look it up for you. 
Lindsay, if he was a five, wouldn't he break some kind of record? <laughs> he would. He would break the record. So the lowest overall rating in NBA 2K history goes to Brian Scalabrini, who had a 40, a 40 overall rating. That sounds terrible. about right. My, That's terrible. Bless but... that man's heart. Yeah. But I'll that... be honest. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't feel bad. You no. know why I don't feel bad? Because a couple of years ago, Brian Scalabrini was walking around the Suns Arena talking mad shit about Devin Booker and putting it on the internet. So, mm. sorry, yeah. not sorry. That's yeah. because that's because he's a a Boston guy, and uh, Devin mm. hung seventy on him. So screw him. I don't care. I was born in Boston, and I'll tell him to screw off because of that hatred. So. That's because <laughs> Devin Booker scored more points in one game than he scored in his entire oh, career. That's oh, right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, no, no kidding. Uh, NBA two K rating for Jacques Landell last year a seventy, so well okay, above a bad. five. Okay. okay, that's that's not the worst because. Per my Google search right here, um, the lowest rating in 2K 2022 was 69. Okay. So he's nice. at least one point above the lowest rating. So our boy is getting better and better yes. every but, day. By the way, Mike B, I know 50 is trash. It was a joke, okay? <laughs> I don't think my guy is going to be a 50 in the game. Uh, and and Will, I also know that Jacques is better than Dragon Bender, so I, I get it. I, I'm on his side. <laughs> Come on, Espo. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys um, know? Do you know the only player in NBA 2K history to have a 100 rating? Do you know who he is? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. You want to guess again? Mm, I don't Frank know. Frank Kaminsky. Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq had himself a 100 overall rating, and he's the only player with that rating. That's strange. I mean, I guess, I guess, what 2K was it? I mean, if it was that first one in uh, in 2000, right in his dominance with the Lakers on championship rounds. But don't ask me those questions. (laughs) No follow ups, please. I'm not. I didn't expect you to have the answer. I'm just pontificating here. Yeah. I mean, that's when I would give Shaq a hundred when he literally could run over anybody and dunk, uh, and was was nimble on his feet. Like I think, uh, I I think I definitely could see it then. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised it's not MJ because they even did a couple editions of the game that were literally like shout outs to MJ his whole career and stuff. I feel like that would have been the time for it, but. Yeah, I mean, that would probably make sense. Um, to, to be fair, the only time he was actually in the game was when he was with the Wizards, and that was far past the 100, uh, uh, the 100 Michael Jordan days. So Josh said uh, Justin Bieber had a better 2K rating than Scalabrini did. Oof. That's embarrassing. That's rude. Man, Listen, sense. I know I'm throwing a lot of shade at Scalabrini, and I'm just poking fun here because he talked crap about our guy, D-Book, but we talk crap about other people all the time, too. Oh. So, Well, guess yeah. what, Lindsay? No real harm Sc- done. Sorry. Scal is a guest next week, so get rid of no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe I'll make that happen. That would be funny. We'll just Lindsay, can you tell him, him that show. story to his face, please? Just like, yeah, I'm really mad at you. What was your problem? Why'd you have to be like that? It was as if it wasn't hard enough for us at that point in time, as it yeah. was, you had to go add insult to injury in our own home. Like, sir, please leave. The door is right over there. I wish you had actually said that to him. I wish you had walked up and gone, sir, please leave. I am the (laughs) sideline reporter, and I will not handle this shit. Get out now. Y'all, I don't know why that one rubbed me so wrong, but it really did. (laughs) That one just really, that one hit my heart. It It was too much. I was not in the right mental space to be able to handle that trash talk. It's because Brian Scalabrini looks like a human Q-tip. Oh boy! Like I mean, <laughs> I wasn't expecting okay. that one. <laughs> Go Google let's, him. Image search him. He looks like a Q-tip. I wasn't let's move prepared. on to our next ACL screenshot before we get ourselves in trouble. This one came from the Phoenix Suns Twitter and Instagram pages, and they said last week Damian Lee received the honor of having his jersey retired at Calvert Hall College School. And there's also a really great article on suns.com about Damien's journey and his life, which was pretty cool. So a couple flowers to Damien Lee for this honor. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, 
why is this school double named a college school? I mean, is that a high school? Is that uh, not trying to be uh, that just caught me off guard? The Calvert Hall College School. Yeah. It is uh, kind of interesting, right? For, for kids who read well. I know. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, it's what just, is this, it, a school for ants? Yeah, it has a Zoolander <laughs> feel to it. Anyway, no disrespect, uh, Damien, to your school. No, that's a cool honor. Anytime you can get uh, a, a you know a jersey retired or any kind of honor at a school you've been to, I mean that's a big deal. I've been trying to get the uh, the media room at my high school that I started named after me for a decade now. No luck, surprisingly. Uh, I don't donate any money, but uh, I, I love that that he got this honor. It's really cool, and that's the kind of thing that young kids in your uh, you know, in your hometown look up to you for that kind of thing. They go, hey, if this guy can make the league, I got a chance to do it too, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool, and I enjoyed the article was actually written by Shane's dad, Jay Diefenbach, over on sons.com. Shout out to Shane's dad. Shout out Shane's dad. Um, I love that Lindsay's just like, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> you had to tell her before the show that Jay is uh, Shane's dad. Well, I was going to text Shane because I saw it, and I was like, wait, Diefenbach? Is this? Is somebody is this person related to Shane? I only know Shane's mom in like real life, so I didn't know. How many Diefenbachs do you think? I mean, especially in sports, they got to all be related to Shane, right? I don't know. I love that DJ Father won't uh, won't die. DJ Grandfather uh, was the one who wrote that. <laughs> Shane That's is not amazing. coming on screen. He's, I think he's thoroughly <laughs> embarrassed right now. Fair, but it, it was it was a good article. It, it talked a lot about Damian Lee and the various struggles he's been through as far as his ACL tears and um, just coming up into the league undrafted, having to work his way up from two-way contracts and from the G League to where he is now. Um, you know, his relationship with Sadell Curry. Like, I, I found it very interesting, and it shed some light on a new player on the Suns, and he's just a guy that reading his story, it's, it's pretty easy to root for. So I don't know what kind of role he's going to have on the Suns team, but, you know, if he can chip in some wing minutes here and there, that'd be a good thing. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that really stood out to me was within the first few paragraphs, he said that he really shouldn't be here. And when he says that, he actually meant it. Apparently, when he was born, he came out of the womb purple because there was an oxygen issue that was happening during his birth. And doctors mm-hmm. were legitimately concerned about his well-being. So he's literally battled since day one, second mm-hmm. one, if you will, um, which is just so crazy to think about all of how that kind of happened. He talked about the influences that that his mother had on him and his grandmother had on him and their favorite basketball players and how their affinity for those guys also directly influenced his growth and development and love for the game and things of that nature. I highly recommend reading it if you guys haven't. It was it was pretty cool. And then of course you brought up Sidel Curry and she talks a lot about mental health too and to see how much he supports her in her initiatives and she supports him and his. It's just a really cool, like definitely a guy that is super easy to root for. Yeah. I, I loved all the stuff uh, about Damien, but what surprised me that I didn't realize is that Steph's sister is named Sadell Curry. Obviously his dad was Del Curry. That's pretty ballsy to name your daughter after you. I've heard guys doing the, the, you know, the junior thing, but naming your daughter after you, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty impressive. I was in, I was intrigued that his grandmother's favorite NBA player was Alan Houston. Like whose favorite player was Alan Houston. That's insane. Well, I, I'm guessing that wasn't her favorite player growing up because that was in the 90s. And Well, no, not growing up, but you know what I mean? Like, who the hell? Like, nobody's favorite Alan, player was Alan Houston. Alan Houston <laughs> I mean, yes. look at who Espo picks as his favorite players. Like, I mean, maybe there was some was additional affinity. No, like, there's, there's something more meaningful behind the scenes. Like, maybe he was really, really involved in the community and she had an interaction with him that impacted her thought process around him or whatever but like it has to be something like that right it has to be like a, like a legit connection there 
I love that you compare my obsessions to that as if I have a legit connection. <laughs> and I didn't just go, who's the goofiest white guy on the roster? And that's oh. how I how I chose uh, the, the guys wow. that wind up getting an island or something. Parting shots at Frank. I, you know, you I think it's respectful. I guess Damn. I take it back. Langston Galloway <laughs> had Langston Lagoon, and that was because I personally knew him. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, code in the chat said, Gerald, I'm from New York. Many people favorite player is Alan Houston. I guess. I why, why I code? What, what's the reasoning behind it? Tell us. It's got to be that 99 team that went to the finals, right? That was yeah, Alan but Houston. But I feel like everyone that. was either Patrick Ewing or John Starks. Felt like those well, were Starks the was gone that by that loved. point, and Patrick Ewing had one foot in the bathtub by 99 so maybe maybe that's why you know? he always had one foot in the bathtub poor guy. maybe he had maybe he had both feet in the bathtub and he just hadn't submerged himself yet that was his seattle years but my feet said he was hot back in the 90s so maybe we're just being disrespectful to alan houston i mean it was just me but that's fine <laughs> musab said we're hating so let's oh, okay. re- rewind that Hold on. If we're just basing it on who was an all-star, like let, let's remember some of the guys who have made all-star teams. That doesn't mean like they were all-time greats. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure Kyle Corver made an all-star team. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> well, she's allowed to have her favorite player. And either way, there's more background to it in the story. Again, go read it. It says sons.com. <laughs> Maybe we'll have Shane's dad come join us on the show and tell us all about Damian Lee. And then maybe we'll convince him to give us some tea on Shane Diefenbach as well. I think I think we should just have Alan Houston on and get to the bottom of why people in New York liked him. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. All right, you know what? You know what we need? We need to calm down and stop talking trash. And you know uh, what could probably help us with that? Some OGs. <laughs> yes. And OGs is hooking y'all up with some free stuff as well. We have our flavoring life sweepstakes, and one winner will receive three. Yes, three bags of OGs including their orange creamsicle and tropical flavors, an OG's hat, a PHNX shirt of your choice, and a PHNX annual membership. The button down is not included. If you are watching this on the live stream and you see our beautiful graphic with Derek on it, um, but if you want to sign up for the Flavoring Life Sweepstakes, head on over to gophnx.com or click the link in our show notes. You can also check out OG's online at ogsbrands.com, on Instagram at ogsbrands, or you can find their products at your local dispensary, but you must be 21 years or older to purchase. So make sure you guys sign up for that. Also, go ahead, Espo. I was I was looking at Cody. Answered. He said, "I don't know why people were Allen Houston fans. I'm a Suns fan because of Sean Marion, and he was good on 2K for Dreamcast. So, and then he also <laughs> he also responded, Devin Booker kind of plays like Allen Houston. So maybe we do understand why Knicks fans love uh, Allen Houston. God, I yeah. Hope also ever like just the, that exact thing alone right code just said i'm a Suns fan because sean marion was good on 2k from dreamcast like mm-hmm. sometimes those things really do make a difference for you like i remember on 2k i played with jamal crawford and then yeah. obviously that are that's what started my love for jamal crawford then actually got to work with him and meet him and i was like you're a fantastic human being solidified jamal crawford's one of my top favorite players ever so it's it's interesting how everyone kind of like that's what i'm saying like you just need one small connection that like makes that emotional like bond there whether it's one-sided or not it still sticks and then that's it that's your favorite player yeah i mean all my creative players in nba live looked like uh freaking uh why am I blanking on his name? Big, uh, big, bold white guy for the uh, for the Suns back in uh, in the late '90s. So, like, I I, I loved uh, I loved him so much I forgot his name. Continue on the ad read, Lindsay. Really stupid, made an impression. Stupid COVID brain. Thank you very much. Brought to you Hi. by our friends at the Arizona Department of Health Services. <laughs> Shit. No, this. Oh my God. <laughs> Let me tell you all about game time. This is the ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Save up to 60% on tickets when you buy them last minute. It's great for all of the procrastinators out there, just like me, who have great big plans but hardly ever, like, do the work to make the plans come to fruition. Well, game time is here for Much you. Much like the show. <laughs> 
no. And if you love PHNX, we guarantee you're going to love Game Time. And the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in our description. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. We've made things really easy for you guys here. All you have to do is go to the description either here on YouTube or whatever podcast platform you listen to. And all the links are right there. You can get a link to Game Time to buy your tickets to games and concerts. You can get a link to go PHNX to sign up for all the free stuff that our partners want to give you or to read Gerald's articles or to get shirts or whatever it may be. It's all right there in the show notes, right for you guys. Um, so yeah, check out Game Time if you have it and you're trying to go to a concert or a game in the near future. The, Espo, game, you're up. Game, does Game Time sell airline tickets? Because I need Ooh. to get away. <laughs> Today has been rough. The name was Pat Burke. I remembered it as I started talking and completely forgot it as I as I continued. But thank you to Aaron Lee in the chat. Pat Burke was the guy that looked like every one of my NBA Live uh, creative players. So There you go. All I right. love how Charles said, see why Saul around to keep things on the rails, LOL. Saul and on the rails in the same sentence is just like, what? No, that's... <laughs> This would be even worse. <laughs> Not true. Not true. All right, Esmo, you got a surprise for us? I do. I'm going to bring in a segment. It's something I've done on a on a previous podcast that I used to be a part of, a non-Suns-related one, but I felt like it was appropriate because I've been reading a lot about people talking about the Suns offseason, grading it on some Sun sites and national sites, and I just felt like none of them were doing it justice, right? Mm-hmm. None of them were really encapsulating what was going on with this Suns team this offseason. So I present to you the Nick Cage spectrum, my friend. Oh, dear <laughs> The God. Nick Cage spectrum is simple. I take a topic and I, I, I compare it to a Nick Cage movie. There's not an actor in the world that has a better filmography that goes from great to crappy and from sane to insane like Nick Cage. He's got a movie that, that fits everything. Today, I'm ranking the Suns offseason in the Nick Cage spectrum. And originally, I thought I was going to go with the movie Army of One. Now, I've never seen Army of One. I've heard it was terrible. It was an action comedy from 2016, but Army of One sounds like about the number of guys they signed this offseason, right? I I thought it was like that. But no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crap on James Jones here. It seems like it's the popular thing to do right now is to just crap on James Jones for this offseason. And I just don't see it, right? I don't think it was as bad as anybody says. This is a team that is coming off of 64 wins uh last year. They were good. They they fell short in the playoffs and sure would I have loved for them to done something big and and flashy yeah much like when Nick Cage won an Oscar that was great but I don't need award-winning in everything that I do right as you can tell by watching the show sometimes okay is good enough and that's usually my average here but to me on the Nick Cage spectrum I think this offseason for James Jones was National Treasures Book of Secrets twofold We didn't hear shit about what they were trying to do. So it definitely was full of secrets, right? Mm -hmm. But I also look at it from the movie perspective. This was at a point in uh in nick cage's career where he had massive success it was one of the one of the cage renaissances this was uh, one of his his big periods in film but it also was a sequel he ran it back from the original national treasures It, it was very the the first one very good the second one And it was right before a big drop-off for him, right? He had a run of really, 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 really bad movies. Uh, And I'm afraid that we may be sitting there for the Suns. We don't know what's going to happen. I still think they need to add a piece. This offseason was running it back. It's okay. I've seen it before. So where are we going next? And that's what I want to know. Where are we headed next? Are we headed for a chasm like we saw in Nick Cage's film career? Or are we seeing, uh, you know, just a, a pause before we see a big run? So on the Nick Cage spectrum, this offseason for James Jones thus far, not over yet, mm-hmm. is National Treasures Book of Secrets. That is the Nick Cage spectrum. So. <laughs> I don't like how how little faith you have in the future of this franchise right now, Espo. 
Look, I'm not saying that's where they're going. I'm just saying right now, when you look at it, it's comparable to the decision that Nick Cage made there. That doesn't mean that they're going to play out the rest of what happened after that. And in fact, I actually think that that James Jones is going to make some moves either, either now or in January at the trade deadline where this team improves themselves. I really, I really do think that's where he's going. And I don't, that's why I don't understand the hate right now. They did not do anything detrimental, right? You mm. could argue, should they have re-signed, uh, you know, JaVale McGee? Maybe, right? But, but other than that, you really can't argue that they did anything that hurt them. You know, they took flyers on on high, low risk, high reward guys, Damian Lee, Jacques Landell, Dwayne Washington Jr., you know, bringing Ish Wainwright back on a two way. They did things that could add it to it, but I don't I, I don't think this was a bad offseason. It was it was good enough right now. Yeah, I, and I think that's the thing about everybody keeps looking at this offseason as this is what the roster is going to be all season long. If it's this way past the trade deadline and they haven't spent the entire season, you know, watching campaign bounce back and having a healthy Dario and trying new things with their lineups and putting the ball in Mikhail and DA and Cam Johnson's hands more, then I will be concerned if this roster is the exact same after the trade deadline. But the trade deadline is there for a reason. It gives you time to tinker. It gives you time to look at what you have and evaluate and obviously, a lot of the roster is still the same as last year. They lost JaVale McGee, but honestly, at that price tag, I don't think they should have resigned him for that price anyway. So I, I think people are, you know, they get sick of the terms internal development and continuity and all that stuff that we've talked about ad nauseum. And I get it because this team, with those things on their side, flamed out in spectacular fashion in the second round when this was supposed to be the year that they win a title. So I get that people are concerned, panic, frustrated, hurt by a franchise, 50 years worth of pain. I get it. But like to just completely dismiss this team as not having a title shot as currently constructed seems crazy to me, unless you are putting a ton of stock in Chris Paul is going to be the guy we saw in the playoffs, which I don't think is the case. So I think that, yes, it would have been nice if they got Kevin Durant, if they'd have made a big blockbuster move, but when that didn't happen, they, like it's at this point in the offseason. All the good free agents were gone. All the trades are kind of off the table for now. You can reevaluate and circle back for some of these things. And Suns fans would have been complaining if they hadn't gone all in after KD anyway. So like it's it's one of those things where you yes, you have to get the KD deal done if you can. Now that you can't, you have to find another way to make this roster better. They still have time to do that. I think the fear is internal development turns into arrested development. And despite the sitcom, there's nothing funny about that when, it, you know, if, if these guys just get stuck where they're at, right? Uh, Cam, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail, they all need to take big leaps for internal development to work. And I understand that people are concerned about that, but I believe in those guys. They, they've always stepped up their game when needed. So, I'm willing to see how it plays. And like we both said, Gerald, I don't think this is it. This is just where they are right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I mean, it's it's fear, right? It's concern about the unknown of the future and feeling like you have to make a move in order to keep up with other teams that are seemingly, at least on paper, getting better. And you're concerned about how much this team can grow or what the chemistry is like in the locker room behind the scenes coaching styles and adjustments and all that kind of stuff. And, and it makes total sense, but I, and I, I understand too, that it's really hard to win in the NBA. It is really hard to win a championship and those windows are oftentimes very short, but I am not concerned that our window is caving in on us. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's like, I, I don't know. I don't think the door is wide open, but I also don't think the door is even remotely close to being fully shut either. So the, I don't the, know. Win, the window is open as long as Devin Booker is here in Phoenix. Like mm-hmm. you look at the caliber of players in the last few years alone that have wanted to come here. Chris Paul and Kevin Durant, two all-time greats, have wanted to come here. Yes, because of Monty. Yes, because they're a good team and have all the right players and James Jones. But it starts with Devin Booker. 
So as long as he is here in Phoenix and wants this team to be competitive, James Jones and the front office, whoever's in charge, will be tasked with that, and they will find a way to bring talent here. Devin Booker is an attraction of that talent. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people, like right now, our immediate title window is with Chris Paul, but that doesn't mean that once Chris Paul is done that the, our title windows close forever. That's just not the case. Well, let's be fair. The last two years people have said that the, the, the title window, the championship window wasn't open for this team. So, like, I mean, at, at times, when, you know, when we we're sitting here two years ago before the season, nobody thought, they had a chance at, at going to the finals. Then last year at this time, people were calling it a fluke and that they they wouldn't be as good. And then they have a, an all-time great regular season. Like the door's not closed. People overreact uh, right now. And if there was no KD rumor, I don't think people would be reacting this way anyways. It's about what they didn't get, not what they, what they have as much as anything. Um, can, I, can we circle back to Nicolas Cage for a second? Of course, <laughs> always the, the one who got us so fired up in the first place. What is the what is what is it about Nicolas Cage that makes everyone like fan out over him? I think well, I'm in that age range where like he was the action the the ridiculous action movie star. You know, it was Face Off, Con Air, like all those kind of movies. But there's there's something bizarre about him. It's kind of like a car crash. You kind of got to look. You're like, what in the world is going on here? But I think he also seemed relatable in some ways just because he he didn't seem like the typical movie star. So I've loved it. And then, you know, he, he has had some fantastic roles. And then he's been in some of the worst best movies ever, like or the best worst movies, however you want to say it. But like, I was obsessed with Gone in 60 Seconds. Like, that was my go-to if I needed to just clear my head. I'd, I'd throw that on in college. Like, I don't know. I'm, I personally have just, uh, have just always loved him. The Rock, another great, great action movie that he was in in the early 90s. Um, Dagoon said Nick Cage has a stupid face, which gives hope to the rest of us. That's, <laughs> that's hilarious. I think that's um, accurate. Uh, you know, Shane, D, uh, the man, uh, the mustache behind the Mac said he used to have Nick Cage Mondays in college. That Shane, I knew I liked you. I, I, th- I, liked I think you. it's a college thing because my thing with Nick Cage traces back to college as well. Because, like, obviously, I knew some of the movies he'd been in, watched some of the movies, they're great. But like there's a YouTube video that's called Nicolas Cage losing his shit. And it's like four minutes long. And it's yes. just a compilation of all the most ridiculous scenes. And we're just dying laughing watching that. We would watch it like once a week just to brighten the mood in the college dorm. Like, and that just cemented him as a legend. So from then on, it's like this guy's a good actor, but also he's maybe insane or ridiculous with these roles that he chooses. The bees, so. the bees. <laughs> okay. The bees. So- I'm going to need you to send me that so I can kind of get in on this. Because I don't think I've really watched a lot of Nick Cage movies. I will say I did watch The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which just came out this year with him in it. Uh I thought it was a really cute movie. You'd appreciate it it a lot more if you'd seen his filmography. Maybe we'll do a watch along and we will make Lindsay watch like Face Off or 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 the rock or something ridiculous <laughs> shane's all in on this yes if if you want it tweet at uh phnx underscore sons tell us you want a Lindsay uh a Lindsay nick cage day that we do a watch along oh no just don't be mad if i hate the movies you're not allowed to be mad at me for that we um will. gotta wrap <laughs> this up shane yes. shane's gotta go we will we'll, but real quick i want to tell you guys about our friends over at more furniture and how they are having a um, awesome, they have always have awesome deals on their website at morefurniture.com. They hooked our office up. They hooked us up with um, stuff for our new set, which fingers crossed you guys will see sooner rather than later. But if you are in need of new furniture for whatever, head on over to morefurniture.com. Um, shout out to them one more time for all their help with our new studio. Thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you as always. Uh, tomorrow we are going to have an audio only episode for you. So find that wherever you listen to your podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And then we will see you back Friday, 2 PM right here on our YouTube channel. Until then you can follow me on Twitter at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. And of course you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. 
Don't forget the dream car's Eleanor. Ahoy, ahoy.